0: you're listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates
1: i'm sarah gulseth
0: thanks to concordia university wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour you can find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu
1: live uncommon
0: Today, we get to go international. Yes. And we are heading to a region I don't think we've been to before. I don't think so. If we have, it's been a while. Yeah. So today, joining us is the Reverend Andrew Fetter. He serves as theological educator and area facilitator in the Balkan Mediterranean subregion for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Now, what does that all mean? We'll find <laughs> out in just a minute. Pastor Fetter, welcome to the coffee hour. Oh, thank you. So tell us about this region, the Balkan-Mediterranean subregion, and the communities that you serve. What is this region, and what are the needs for the Lord's work there?
2: Gotcha. Well, the, the region itself, although it sounds geographical, it's kind of broken up. So you have the Balkans, which most Americans only really remember from the 90s. But you've got mainly Romania, Bulgaria, and Greece, where we have work, although we're also trying to reach into Moldova. Well, we have a congregation there now. And then there's also Serbia, Croatia, but we don't have a lot of work in there yet. We also include Italy so and Spain to a certain degree. So you've got Spain to a, a little bit, Italy certainly, and then you've got Romania, Bulgaria, and Greece, and Moldova. In the, the area, and I specifically work in Romania, I serve a congregation in Bulgaria, and I also serve a congregation in Greece. And then I do online teaching as well.
1: How does that work? (laughs) Those are not very close together.
2: (laughs) It's not horrid. You know, luckily (laughs) online teaching, I just go to my office and I I, I turn on Zoom. But once a month, I drive down to Sofia. I live in Bucharest, which is the capital of Romania. And I drive down to serve the congregations in uh, Katarini, which is close to Thessaloniki, and then also to the capital Bulgaria, Sofia. And it's a three-day trip, and it's twenty-four hours of driving to go down to serve him and get back to my family. So,
0: the twenty-four hours of driving on which side of the road? Mm. It's on the right, where
2: we, you know, only really the British, the Japanese, and I think I'm Samoa now
0: drive on the left. a couple of them, it's it's on the right. We call it the unique side of the road. <laughs> 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 so. How would you describe the needs in these areas where you're serving? You mentioned that there we just have one congregation in one area. It's is this a, a an area or a region of the world where the Lutheran church has had much of a presence in the past? Historically,
2: not in Bulgaria or Greece or, or Italy. Romania, if some people may be aware that Transylvania is one of the three major regions in Romania. And historically, that was heavily populated with both Hungarians and Germans, who had an indigenous Lutheran church, and they still do. So there has been a historic presence of Lutheranism in Romania, although it would still be considered an Orthodox-majority country. Bulgaria and Greece, really no historic Lutheran presence there. In Bulgaria, there was a wells- that we ended up taking over when they just didn't have the resources for Bulgaria. And we, we gladly helped them out and we've taken that on. And so it's only really been the last couple decades that there's been a Lutheran presence in Bulgaria and Greece. That's only been the last couple of years. We have pretty much the very first Greek congregation there. So it's wonderful. As for needs. Oh boy. You know, even though the culture here seems much more Christian than I would say in the U.S., so many people just consider Christianity to be an ethnic thing. If you're Bulgarian, you're Orthodox. If you're Greek, oh, you're Orthodox. If you're Romanian, you're Orthodox, even if you're not. And Christ becomes almost just the wallpaper. Christianity becomes the wallpaper. It's all around you everywhere. But actually having a faith in it, that's that's more and more rare and it's it's interesting because it gives you the opportunity because they know who Jesus is to a certain extent so they're open to talk about him which is wonderful but you get these opportunities to really give them the gospel for the first time so often in the orthodox church unfortunately especially outside of the US but even in the US but especially outside the the legalism is so heavy Christ is seen as sometimes a, a scary remote figure, and to get to tell people that Christ is for them, that Christ is more personal than, than what they're used to. A good example is the Orthodox liturgy, right? You don't participate in the Orthodox liturgy. The priests do it. The professional class does it. You just stand around for three or four hours coming and going in the church while the liturgy is being done for you. But then when they come into a Lutheran service and they see people stinging the responses and taking part in that divine liturgy, that that divine service, it's a wonderful thing for them to see. And it's interesting, too, we have, we have so many visitors at the church here in Bucharest. And we have other Lutheran churches here in Romania, too, that we work with. But here, this last Sunday, we had five visitors. They came through, sat during different parts of the service. They all stayed through at least a good portion of the sermon. And we had two afterwards that we were able to talk to. So like I said, Christianity is in the background. It's Christ is the wallpaper. They're used to it. They want to talk about him, but they don't know the gospel anymore. And so it gives you that, that opportunity to actually talk to them and to witness to them. And it's a wonderful...
1: So what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? I know you mentioned that that you you do have to travel a lot just because of the nature of your work, but how does that what does that look like on, on a daily basis? Just building those relationships and, and getting out into the community to meet people.
2: Well, we have English classes and I just met with a wonderful woman who is a, a ballerina here in, in Bucharest and she toured and she was at the Bolshoi and all kinds of things before the communists left. And through the English classes, most Romanians, at least in Bucharest, know some English. So you're not teaching you know, English 101. It's more conversational to polish their English skills. So you're actually able to already communicate with them. And so getting to know the people, getting to talk to them, getting to introduce them sometimes to the catechism is a wonderful thing. You know, Our, our catechism is so small, but that's a beautiful thing because you can just hand it to somebody and say, read this. You're not handing them, you know, a volume of encyclopedia. It's just here, read this and let's talk about it. That's beautiful. So yeah, English classes are a great way. Romanians are interested that Americans live here. They're kind of surprised. So that opens a lot of doors to to get to talk. Romanians are wonderfully, wonderfully warm people once they get to know you. Same thing with Bulgarian. Our very first trip as a family to Sofia, we rented a van. We, we don't own a vehicle here in Bucharest. And we our rental van died in the mountains, in the Balkan mountains, outside of Sofia. And it's like nine o'clock at night. We can hear the you know, the the sound of the cars on one side, and like animals in the 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 woods on the other. And this Bulgarian man just helped us, and he called somebody, and they opened up their shop. And a couple hours later, we're on the road. You know, just there's such warm people, and once they open up to you, you're able to talk to them. So it's really just that. Living in the culture, talking to people, being willing to talk, to get them to hear about Jesus so you can bring them into catechism, so you can bring them to the liturgy. Yeah. I don't know if that answered the question.
0: I hope it did. Yeah. So you've been serving for a little over a year, almost almost two years now, is that correct? A little over a year,
2: 15, 16 months in country, on the field.
0: Tell us about bringing your family to a new country, a new culture, and getting settled in in Bucharest.
2: Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. We were originally, my call was originally for Ukraine. And mm. so my my kids had been learning Russian. I had been learning Russian. I was going to help out with the seminary there in Odessa. I mean, this is before the war. Um, but three days before I was to leave, some things happened on the ground to the property and it was lost. So my family had been preparing for Russian language, preparing for Ukraine, and that fell through. And then I wanna say it was about a month later, we were on the ground here in Bucharest. So it was kind of a quick turn, but my family's wonderfully adaptable. We have, we have five kids, so we're kind of our own unit. So that helps. And the Lord was so gracious. Our, our tickets when we got to the airport, didn't want to work, so they didn't want to let us on the plane. And we had sold everything we had, basically, not that we had much. So we had nothing to go back to if we couldn't get on the plane. Um, but we got the office of international missions on the phone and they fixed everything, but it was a hassle and it was scary. And we just knew the Lord would take care of us. We finally got on the plane. They had held it for us 20 hours later after we're moving with five kids. And at the time it would be eight, six.
1: Four, two, and new. <sighs> wow.
2: And we arrive in Bucharest, dead tired, and we meet our local Alliance missionary, Pastor Oran a wonderful, wonderful, godly man. But he has so much energy. And so we get off the plane and he's like, yes, we, we, I will show you the church. It's like, okay, I just went to sleep. Okay, let's go on a two-mile <laughs> hike and see the church. Okay. So we settled in. We, we found a home. Eventually, the kids found a Cub Scout group. So my, my oldest kids are, are in, in Cub Scouts and I, I know some people in, in the U.S. Cub Scouts, you know, have, you know, some issues, but over here, it's just so nice for them to have friends they can speak English with. And they're all missionary kids, basically. They're, they're in the troop. So it's wonderful. You know, I, I think they've, they've done a good job adapting. It's, it's a different way of life. We don't own a vehicle. We walk everywhere. Or take the metro. We have a big park that the kids go to. We used to have a yard. Different foods. We do just, just different systems like the post office. You know, in the U.S. you're used to getting mail. In Romania, that's not the way it works. If you get mail, no one uses the postal service because it's not the best. A postman will come with a note that says you have mail at the post office. And then you have to go and pick it up and paste the thing. So just all these different systems we had to learn. But, you know... The Lord takes care of you. The Lord's in charge, and the whole world belongs to Him. So He's going to be with you no matter where you go. So it works out.
0: Okay, you said when you arrived, and your, your alliance missionary was going to show you to the church, and you said hike two miles. Oh, I
2: think you it's need to it's, it's not necessarily a, a two mile hike. I oh,
0: okay. it, <laughs> it feels
2: like that after after a twenty hour. You know, okay. 20 hours in the air. I don't know how many well, hours the whole trip was. No, geez. we had an Airbnb when we first got here because it was such a quick turnaround from Ukraine no. falling through. We didn't have housing. Yeah. It was, yeah, it, and I guess that's true. You know, in the U.S., you're not used to the idea of walking to church for a mile. We, we walk for about, we walk, we walk about an hour to church every Sunday when I take the kids to Scout's we walk an hour to scouts and that part of that's using the metro of the subway. So it's just that that's different too. You just walk, you walk a lot. It's just, it's Europe. So yeah, so we got our Airbnb, put our luggage up and we don't know where we are. Everything smells, you know, different because it's a different city. Everyone smokes. We're not used to that. And just get, you know, you're punch drunk from the the flight and just get, hike the mile or whatever to to the church. Get shown it and then, you know, mercifully get put back to the Airbnb and fall asleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we have more to learn about the Lord's work and particularly the Christmas season mm-hmm. in the Balkans. Looking forward to learning more about that in just a moment with our guest, the Reverend Andrew Fetter, theological educator and area facilitator in the Balkan Mediterranean sub region for the Lutheran Church, Missouri center. You're listening to the coffee hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth. <laughs>
0: welcome back to the coffee hour i'm Eddie bates
1: i'm sarah Golseth.
0: our guest today pastor andrew fetter missionary and theological educator for the balkan mediterranean sub-region and i have just enjoyed learning about your family getting settled in and what the lord has given you in terms of the the ways that you serve in this part of the world uh, and you've been sharing a little bit about your family and and I know that you're somewhat new only a little over a year into service there but I'm interested in learning about Christmas in this part of the world so you've experienced at least one Christmas in this part of the world how does what does christmas look like in the balkans
2: you know i it looks very much like it does in the us sorry to to disappoint people there's you know santa claus in a red suit everywhere i mean it's it's become very commercial is it Especially in Romania, the economy in Romania has done very well the last 20, 30 years. Uh, Bulgaria, it's getting more, it's more, it's not less, a little less commercial than the U S but still is Greece. It's not so bad, but yeah, you see Santa Claus, you see ads for Coca-Cola, all of those things. So from a cultural point of view, it's very, very commercialized. And and as I said before, you know, Jesus is the wallpaper, right? Of course, of course, everyone believes they're a Christian, but you know, is Christmas about just visiting your family, or is Christmas about Jesus? You know, mm, kind of hard to tell sometimes, but that's true in the U.S. as well. The food is certainly different, although the food is so good. Oh, Romanian and Bulgarian and Greek food is delicious. So the, normally for Christmas, you eat sarmale here in Romania. Different families may have other things, but sarmale is like a cabbage roll. But they use like sauerkraut, like fermented cabbage leaves for the outside, and that little bit of tang to go cut through the the pork is just fabulous. And then there's also some other dishes that that they have that are a little more gelatiny and made of ears that I'm not not a big fan of. But the sarmale, the meech, the varza, the cabbage stewed cabbage, it's also good. Yeah, it looks very similar. It's interesting though. In Bulgaria and Romania, Christmas was effectively outlawed under the, by the communists, and so you had Father Frost come in. It was imported from from Russia, you know, because they wanted they needed a figure kind of like Santa Claus. Uh, occasionally in Bulgaria, I've seen a couple uh, Father Frost statues, but not not here in Romania. I think they want to get rid of their their communist past here. But yeah, just Santa Claus.
1: Not a lot of Santa. I now need to go eat some food because it sounds (laughs) so
0: so good.
1: (laughs) What are some of the other traditional things that you've come across during the Christmas season?
2: Yeah, well, the 6th of December is very important. Actually, Um, my family, we we celebrate St. Nicholas Day. We already did in the U.S. And so St. Nicholas Day in at least Romania and Greece is the official start of the Christmas season. And mm. so tonight was St Christ- Nicholas Eve. So we hang up our kids' stockings and a lot of other families will do the same here in Romania or Greece, you put out shoes. And then on the sixth on St Nicholas day in rural Romania, it was the tr- tradition that you'd always go back to the village. You had what they call the pig sacrifice day, which sounds really creepy and pagan, but it's just because the word slaughter often gets translated as sacrifice. Um, so it's the day you slaughter the pig for Christmas, so that you have time to to smoke the meat and things like that. So on the sixth, you go to your village if you can, and you know your family. There's a pig for Christmas, and the whole you know that, that whole animal, but the bones is going to probably get eaten. That's a, that's definitely an, an interesting tradition. Um, I, you know, it's also interesting too. They're both Orthodox countries, and yet Christmas is still celebrated on the 25th. Yeah, because normally Orthodox Christmas is celebrated around january 7th or so but the 25th is is the big day yeah i don't i mean besides food besides going to your to your village everyone has their village that they're from the christmas traditions aren't aren't too dissimilar we have carol carolers here so around christmas and new years you will have children that come through caroling and you're expected to give them goodies snacks treats you know a lot of them will, will will hope for some some money so if you give them you know, some candy that made you kinda of look at you and go, Oh, and the same as in same as in Greece from what I understand. But yeah, carolers, going back to your village, slaughtering the pig. Romanians love pork. It, it's all about the pig here. If you don't like pork, you you're kinda of out of luck
0: here. In terms of mm-hmm. Christmas eats, okay. So we we've talked about a lot of good food, mm. but it are Christmas cookies are are they common in the Balkans?
2: Ah. Uh. Not, not really. The, the big Christmas baked good in Romanians called Kozimak. And they have the same thing in Bulgaria and Greece. And a Kozumak, if your listeners are familiar with a Mola? like a Jewish bread for the, the Sabbath, um, it's mm-hmm. like a challah bread. So it's like an eggy bread. It's a little denser, slightly sweeter. And then in each of the countries, they make it differently. And then when you tell a Bulgarian that, hey, I've had this same thing in Romania, they look at you like, no, no, no. This is a Bulgarian thing. And then if you say it in Greece, they're like, no, no, no. This is a Greek thing. They must have, you know, taken it from us. But it's just, (laughs) it's just an eggy loaf, but it's all different. So like in Romania, it has candied fruit and it tastes vaguely of rum. The the biggest Mm. flavor for candy here seems to be rum. I think a, a leftover from the communist era. Bulgaria is a little sweeter. And then, I'll be honest, I'll probably get in trouble because you know the Balkans don't always get along, but the Greek version of Kozanak is probably my favorite as an American. It's nice and sweet, <laughs> and they have cookies in, in Greece as well, but but cookies or biscuits, basically, as they'd be referred to here, aren't nearly as big. My my wife makes cookies for me to bring to the different churches I visit. And we also bring them to our our friends and neighbors here in Bucharest. And they love, they love her cookies. Because Romanian cookies are hard. And dry. They're almost more like something you dip in coffee because you'd have to. And mm. she makes you know ooey gooey chocolate, Amer- you know American chocolate chip cookies and M M&M and M cookies, and they just ooh and ah over them. So I, there are cookies for Christmas, but they're the ones my wife makes, and I I bring and hand out to the parishioners. <laughs> Starting traditions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. so we've talked a lot about food which is a totally fair game on the coffee hour but what about any christmas traditions in the church things for advent things that, that you do with your parishioners that i don't know maybe look the same as here but maybe are a little culturally influenced there as well
2: yeah in the u.s advent is often a season of it's certainly certainly of preparation but more celebratory most a lot of churches i should say most a lot of churches The liturgical color would be blue as we're looking forward to celebrating Christmas. Here in Romania, it is certainly still in the way it was in ancient times. It's a penitential season. So in the same way that you would have it for Lent, you don't say the Alleluia's and the liturgy. A lot of the Orthodox fast. So Mm. even the Lutherans here, because their families are so predominantly Orthodox, some of them will also fast. Just because it's easier. And, and that's one of the interesting things too, is if you're bringing a, a food dish to some get together during Advent, you have to think, oh, does this have meat? Is it going to be too sweet? Mm. Is it going to be too rich? Um, and and I, I don't think they're going to be offended if you bring it. And, and if they're not too pies, they may eat it anyways. But still, even even the secular Romanians will still keep a lot of the fasts. So it is a penitential season in the same way that you would have Advent. So there's there's a, a, little difference there. Just it looks the same, like you said, but there's that feeling of, of Lent more than that celebratory feeling we often with Advent in the U.S. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's much more similar to Advent, I guess would be would be my my description of how the church is with the fasting. You have to watch out what you bring to things. Christmas services look similar oh yeah you know that's a wonderful thing about the our lutheran liturgy is more or less wherever you go in the world even if you can't understand the words the tunes are very similar so you know where the service is you know it's the same service more or less although Mm -hmm. romanian has way more syllables than english so sometimes sometimes you'll have more words on like one note to get through it but yeah it's it's the same it's the same liturgy, which is such a wonderful thing or a very similar liturgy. yeah you know, liturgically, Christmas looks very similar because we're all we're all following the same liturgy. we're all one one church, which is such a beautiful thing that you know you could come over here and once you started reading Romanian, you could sing along with us and you would know exactly what's going on. You know it's a beautiful gift to have that same liturgy or a similar one,
0: yeah. Pastor Feder, how can we follow your work and the, uh, the the Lord's work in the Balkans and Mediterranean region?
2: Ah, thank you. Well, we have a, a number of different missionaries in the area, but if you wanted to follow my work specifically, if you wanted to sign up for my newsletter, the easiest way is to go to tinyletters.com forward slash Andrew underscore Federer. You could also go to lcms.org forward slash Federer, and that's F-E-D-D-E-R. And, of course, if you'd like to support the work here, and you can see all the workers we have here in Romania, going to missioncentral.us is a fabulous way to go, and you can go under the regions and then go to Eurasia, Romania, and see newsletters and all kinds of things. So,
0: our guest today, the Reverend Andrew Fetter, missionary and theological educator, area facilitator for the Balkan Mediterranean subregion for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Pastor Fetter, thanks so much for being our guest on The Coffee Hour.
2: Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.